Sidekicks and henchmen out there in the Geek Nation. Uh, you're currently tuning into the Cold Pop Podcast live stream, aka spoiler alert, episode 737, where we review the past week's comics as well as talk about fun pop culture topics for your listening and viewing pleasure. We're also ribbed. I'm your host, Johnny Destructo, owner of Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex, located at 4327 Main Street, celebrated amongst the friendly riffraff. Of Maniunk. With me this morning is the incredible, incomparable, indelible, infallible, insatiable, impossible, incorrigible, intellectual, and cool. Len the Bat Dribble. In six <laughs> words or less, tell the people why I'm so awesome, Len. <laughs> because you are a white guy. Oh my god, it's so I'm so white. That was that was perfect. That's six words. <laughs> Noel is also here. Hi. Uh Brian is on vacation, so we hate him full stop. Thank you for everyone joining us on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. If you like what you're doing here, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share with your friends. Uh, the joy of doing this live is that we get to chat with y'all. So pipe up if you want in the comments. Before we get into this week's com- uh, comics, we've got no letters. <laughs> uh, um, uh, all right. I mean, I had the Chiron ready, but whatever. You, what? want, you know what? The, the the banner, the Chiron. Oh, that's it's called a Chiron? Yes. Yeah, when you see the news, the lower third, it's Yeah, I had no idea. Do you guys want to fake a letter? New, are those new glasses, Noel? No, I just been wearing them now because um, I woke up looking like Rocky with a swollen eye. Yeah. Oh. Pretty great. Oh. Oh. Well. But thank you. You, you should have just said you're sorry, you? and then you know Sam wouldn't well, have had to take care of you like that. But I got, I got these ones too. Oh, nice. Oh, those are nice. I like those. I like those. Those are very nice. Very becoming. Uh, Robert Monroe Jr. is in the chat saying, good morning, cold poppers. Good morning, Robert Monroe Jr. What's up, Rob? How you doing? Yeah, hey. we, don't have, we don't have a letter, Rob. So what's up? That was our letter. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing great. Uh, All right, let's move on to the comics. TMNT, The Last Ronin, number three, from IDW, by Tom Waltz, Peter Laird, Kevin Eastman, with art by Ben Bishop and Esau Escorza. Let me, before I read the the, um, solicit for this, Len, did you read this book? No. (laughs) Did you read read the other history of the DC universe? Oh, Noel did. 
I read I read uh, TMNT. I, we, I could do this for. for oh, a okay. I thought when I was downstairs, I thought you said you didn't read it. Okay, mm. that was me who didn't read it. I always yeah, confuse I, us. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it's the pronoun. It's either I or you or. Unexpected to. allies from the past reveal a possible path to salvation. As the Foot Clan sweeps New York City for the rogue Ronin, a final desperate plan in the name of vengeance is made. Spanning decades, this issue's action and intrigue will set up the astounding final issues. So, no, I yeah. didn't read. I, I read the first issue. I did not read number two. Uh, it's It was... My, Good intentions. I meant to. I just haven't gotten to it yet. <laughs> or this one. Because I didn't read number two, I was like, well, I'm not going to read number three. Uh, let me know. How is this going? I remember really? back way back in the day when you and uh, we were all discussing it on the show. This is the show. Uh, we were discussing it in the show. It's a previous version of this. You Yes. Uh, you were like, uh, I don't think it's going to be Mikey. But then it turned out to be Mikey. Mikey. And you were like, well, I definitely want to know how Mikey became this version of Mikey. Mm -hmm. uh, don't just tell us he's this, show us how he got this way. And I was mm -hmm. like, I don't really know if you need to know it. Did they do this? Uh, for the most part. Huh. Um, so to your I, satisfaction. I, 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 maybe. Um, so this, this was the, <laughs> this was the best issue so far. Oh. Okay. But that's not, that's kind of faint praise because I actually oh. think this is like just an overall underwhelming kind of series. Oh. I don't it's it's fine. It's good. It's um it's um legacies fighting legacies and the only like one still alive is is Mikey and they kind of explain why he's so grizzled because he's spent the last twenty years kind of um walking the earth, climbing mountains in Japan, chaining and training and and weeping and and Morning and and uh, essentially, I guess his his mutation is also kind of exacerbated too. So he's even more impenetrable and more hardened, um, which is kind of cool. But uh, so it's very much it's very much a a Dark Knight Returns uh -huh. version of of Mikey. But um, I guess my problem with this book is like everything else but the story. Now I don't know why it's the format it's in. Oh. It's like a it's like a misshapen prestige style. I don't know why it's like four months late every issue. I don't know why it's eight ninety nine. Mm. Uh, like this this book has so many barriers of me wanting to enjoy it because it's just such a like Herculean effort to get it. I like the art isn't even that. It doesn't look like it takes three months for thirty pages. It right. just doesn't. And I don't know who even who the creators are. Like, there's 15 names on this book. Two of them are Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman. But it's like everyone has a story, uh, a story credit. Everyone has a script credit. Everyone and like the art switches in between. It's this book is like a mess, a publishing mess, and it's hard to enjoy it because of so. Yeah. Um, maybe when it's all collected without like all of the waiting for it kind of stuff comes uh, is over. It'll, it'll read better. But as of right now, it's like, um, it's like minimal, minimal enjoyment for all the effort that they, I guess they're putting into it. I don't know. And, uh, 899. It's not even oversized. So the next book we're going to talk about is, is, uh, other history of the DC universe, super prestige. 699. Mm -hmm. Like how did that work out? 
Well, you could you could argue that DC and Marvel could afford a lesser price point because they're bigger companies. So, yeah. so you could make you could make that argument. That being said, still eight ninety nine for a single issue of a comic book for it to, like you said, not be prestige oh. in this presentation. It's like a little bit bigger. It's taller. It's not wider. Uh I know how DC can afford it because every other one of their books is four ninety nine, five ninety nine, six ninety nine, seven ninety nine, and eight ninety nine. <laughs> well, okay. they, I was going to say they they um they cut the cost or they they pad the cost elsewhere. Right. Know, it's just it's as a as a as a monthly reader, they're putting these barriers in front of me, hmm. which unfortunately affects my enjoyment of the story because like, well, shit, if I have to wait three months for the next chapter and, yeah. and all this, all this artifice and I've just pay $4 more mm-hmm. uh, off top, I can't wait to read it. And it's just like, Oh, okay. Oh, Dr. Afra's in it. In Star Wars. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> um, the art looks pretty good. I'm not mad yeah. at the art. Yeah. The art's not bad. Um, and quiet as kept. I I've seen, I've seen like uh, Frank Quietly takes forever on his books, and his mm-hmm. books look less dense than this. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And but I don't, but I don't give him a hard pass. I give him a hard pass because it still looks good. Yeah. This doesn't look bad, like bad art. But you know, I I don't know. I, I think really, it's just um, compounding Noel's frustration with the book. It's like, even if it, you know, if it was taking this long, he wants the art to be Frank quietly level art. I, I guess. I no, I just I want it to feel like a like a like an event, and it doesn't. Yeah. For me, because yeah. I've been reading the other Turtles books, and they're just as good, and they're actually better. And I even mean like before Sophie Campbell took took over, all that stuff was even better and more enjoyable. This just. Feels that's Casey Jones's daughter, Casey. Ah, thank you. Her name um, is Casey. Yeah, it's her. His and April's daughter. Aww. Go back to those There's phases. A lot of wonderful you, little things. Go back to those phases you were on, JD. Now this is where one more, I think, uh, a couple more, right there. Boom. That and the page after that. This is where I I buy in with Noel, where it doesn't have this epic feel. The art is not bad artwork, but this from a production point of view, I'm just looking at the layout of those panels and I'm looking at how uneven those panels are with one another. Like the line, the the spacing in between each of them. It is very, it's very uneven. It's very amateurish. It looks very, and, and considering one that this is TMNT, which means that there's no usually no amateurs working on it. It's a, a big prestige property, and two is the is the creators of it who are have their name attached to it. You know, not they're just not producers. They actually are saying they got you know their hands dirty with this, and it's eight ninety nine. That that's the type of shit that would piss me off. That's so, the type of shit that would, I would buy. I would like yeah, get the fuck out of here. If you go back to that layout too, like it's it's two different artists that handle this one page. Hmm. So the last panel is a different artist. It has to be like the eyes. Yeah. Versus yeah, I see that. So like this whole book is kind of a, a hodgepodge of things, and it's just it feels like kitchen sink as opposed to like a streamlined, fun, dark future story. And if you if you keep scrolling. There's um, some flashbacks that are actually drawn by Laird Neesman, ah. which are 
they're beautiful, but hot damn, they just like smack you in the face in between this other art. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just, it feels like, um, feels like an uneven anthology as opposed to this, this like anticipatory miniseries, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I, I think I, I harped on this last time. Mikey never wears his, his bandana. He's the only one. So it's fine, but he has no pupils even without <laughs> his mask. Yeah. And he's emoting, but he looks horrific. Like, <laughs> like yeah, ghost in the shell. Horrific. They do close-ups and everything, but he has no pupils and it's creepy. Have they never had pupils? I mean, when they take their masks off, they've got eyes. Do they? Yeah. That's, it's re- so that's weird. weird. I wonder, I wonder why they don't, they don't explain this. No. <laughs> All right. I, I, I want this, but look at that. Look at the middle panel. That's, yeah. that's an emotional beat of an eyeless creature. <laughs> I, I just, uh, I want this to be more. I really do. And apparently like issue four is, is not going to be till August. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <sighs> issue four, is that, is, issue four, is it a four issue mini? I think it's five or six. Okay. So like 2022, it'll oh, probably wrap that. up. Look at that yeah. page, that panel layout. Oh, it's really. Uh, There's the, the Batmobile from. Um, yeah. Dark yeah. Returns too. yeah. yeah. I guess, you know, like as, as readers, we're conditioned to when books usually take this long or when they're this like kind of prestige, you never really, you could like not like it or it doesn't really mm-hmm. hit you kind of like maybe doomsday clock. You saw the work in it though. Even those those issues were like two months late. You could tell, oh, it was two months late because of this. This yeah. is I don't and I just don't see it. I don't see where the work is. Yeah, I gave I'm, um, um, you know, Doomsday Clock. I gave a lot of room because it was Jeff, uh, not Jeff Johns, Gary Frank artwork. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. This this isn't doing it. I'm uh, sorry. Then, to, I'm sorry on this, but it's just yeah. disappointed. Uh, Len, did you read the other history of the DC universe this week? I did. I oh, did. Good. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I was really excited to. And of course, life being what it is. No. Uh, and Todd Engel has uh, commented in the chat. Other history looked like it was trying to teach me a lesson. And if not for you guys, I wouldn't have read it. Four issues in. I love every single issue. And there is no comic I enjoy more. And uh, all of the issues that I've read so far, I agree with. I agree with that statement. It's one of my favorite books of last year and this year. And uh, I'm stoked to catch up with issue number four. Uh, let's see. Got little notes here. I'm going to read them. It's going to be great. Uh, other history of the DC universe. Number four, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Book four. Uh, by John Ridley with Giuseppe Comancoli and Andrea Cucci on art. Words can be tricky. Renee Montoya has known this for most of her life. Words taught her to feel ashamed of her gender, her sexuality, and her ethnicity. The people of Gotham City taught her to hide who she was, to fit in, to be loved. And in doing so, they taught her to hate herself. But from that despair came something unexpected and powerful. 
Renee's path from the closeted police officer in the 1990s to her time as the faceless vigilante known as the question is one that is inextricably linked with queerness. It is one that is defiant of binaries, outmoded and hateful stereotypes and the words that propagate them. As the question, Renee stood in contrast to society's rigid expectations of her, held a mirror up to the world's face and asked, who are you? Uh, I know what Todd Engel means, um, trying to teach me something, right? Uh, this is a very heavy handed, um, uh, what's the word? Series? No, this, this, uh, this thing I just read, the solicitation. Oh, okay. It's, it's very aggressive, uh, in what it's trying to teach us. Um, but that being said, it is absolutely a series that is trying to teach us something. Uh, yes, it is. Every issue is trying to teach us that there are in an uh, for me, for if I'm speaking only for myself mm-hmm. in a medium that is uh, saturated in straight white, as I call it, uh, there are other points of view. There are other life experiences and comics should reflect all of those. Right. And that, I think, is what this is showing us. It's literally saying, hey, straight white has been D.C. The, this entire time, for the most part. Here are what some of the, the fictional characters living in that presentation have experienced that universe. And I, I think it's really well done. Um, I think it's a bit of homework because as comic books go, it is not set up in your usual comic book, um, you know, word word bubbles, people talking to each other, you know, action, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. This is uh, reflections on the DC universe of the past up until now uh, from a certain point of view of a character. And they are monologuing for the most part over top of recreations of scenes throughout history of DC. Um, And it's, it is, it is a bit of work. Uh, It's very dense, but boy, is it rewarding. Uh, I absolutely love it. I did not get a chance to read this. Len, you did. And no, you read most of it, you said. What is your take on it, Len? Did you enjoy this issue? Well, like all the rest of them, I did enjoy the issue a great deal about Renee Montoya. Um, I think that unlike the previous books that we've had, with the exception maybe being the Mal Duncan and Bumblebee one, um, Renee Montoya's story, it may be one that people may not be the most familiar with because she is a tertiary character in the Batman world. So you might, depending on how you may dip and dive in the Batman world, you may see, catch glimpses of her. You know, she only really became like, big bold unto herself a character when she was featured one in Gotham Central, which is now many, many years ago. And then also in the 52, when which tracked her change into the question, you know? Um, so this is a story that people may not be as familiar with. So I think like that homework that you speak of might be even you might feel like this is like college level, like, oh, shit, I got to go deeper. I got to go. I got to dig in the books to, to follow this. Um, but that being said, I think considering that her character is a uh, biracial character, also a queer character and, and, and all of these aspects have been touched on throughout um, her 
publication history to some to greater effect than others. I think this is a good track of that history. Um, and though she has been tertiary, she has still been prominent enough that that this story is very significant. This story is maybe a little bit more personal because she it has for much of her publication history just kind of being been in the background as this this, you know, one of the few good cops in Gotham, Gotham City. Um, and I think some of that comes out in the story itself in this book, in that a lot of it is her speaking of other people as, as opposed to her, you know, what's happened to her. She definitely speaks to what happens to her, but she also spends a great deal of time talking about what happened to Harvey Bullock, um, talking about Commissioner Gordon, talk, talking about, you know, um, uh, other aspects of what is going on primarily in Gotham City. Which side note, this made me reading this actually made me appreciate I don't think I really got how central Gotham City is to the DC universe so much because like a lot of shit has gone down in Gotham City. I always in my mind picture Metropolis as kind of like the 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 New York of of DC, whereas in New York and Marvel, everything happens. But in, in DC, everything kind of happens in, in Gotham. Like Gotham has had earthquakes and and the government is like said, ah, we done with y'all. No man's land and all that type of stuff. And Metropolis just seems to kind of like <laughs> keep it moving. Um, yeah, and, Metropolis and is more like Chicago. It's just like, what? it's a big city. It's over there though. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that really played out in this. But um. What I really appreciated th- about this was that despite her being a tertiary character, which means that she has sometimes been at the whim of different writers, which means that her story can sometimes go left as opposed to where it was before. And like, oh, wow, they, why she's making this turn. This story, which speaks of her trying to reconcile herself with who she is and develop a true identity for herself, um, I thought was a very interesting, plausible and commendable way of, you know, stitching all of those those stories together into one uh, one straight linear narrative that, lo and behold, made sense when it comes out on the other side that she's the question. Um, and I was like, wow, they did it. I didn't think they were going to go there. I didn't think they were going to get there. I was wondering how this was going to get there, but they did. Um, and it, it, it was very well done. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful book as, as always, always is. You cannot yeah. knock the artwork, the, 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 the layout. This is, this is what prestige comic books are supposed to feel like, are supposed to yeah. be how they're supposed to be represented. Um, like Noel said, this is $6.99. I would have paid $8.99 for this. Yeah. This feels like $8.99. It is just a, it's a gorgeous piece of work. And, um, a cool story. I'm a, I'm, I am a Renee Montoya fan, and this just made me that much more more of one. So um, I got to. Oh, god! I was just gonna say, I, I also love Renee Montoya. I loved her from Gotham Central. And then was it the was it Fifty Two that Weekly Book? Is that when she yeah. became? Yeah. Question? Yeah. Um, it was a nice slow burn, and it reminded me of there was a what was it? Beware the Batman. I think it was the cartoon, and throughout the first season of that animated show, which is actually quite good. Um, one of the characters becomes something else by the end of it. And it was a, a 
unexpectedly. And I always thought that was a really cool way to do that. Uh, and that kind of reminds me of how they did Montoya. Um, you know, she was one thing. And then just through a decade of comic books, she just became something else. Mm -hmm. uh, and I really, really appreciated that. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, what she, Oh, um, well, something different now. Uh, she really, oh, yeah. she really did become, um, Greg Rucka's baby, like, yeah. um, from Gotham central on. And he just other, I think a lot of other writers just kind of wrote around her and he was just like, no, she's, she's more. And just <laughs> mm -hmm. kind of kept giving her more things to do to the point where she's part of the, you know, DC legacies, which is awesome. Like she literally was just a beat cop and now she's a superhero, a superhero. And, you know, to touch on something that's very similar to that, I've heard people complaining about Brian Michael Bendis um, with regard to Naomi. Oh, well, he's writing Justice League. So I guess Naomi is going to be in the Justice League. Well, he's, he's writing this character again. Like, yeah, the character he created, of course, he's going to keep bring her with him everywhere he goes. Mm -hmm. And I like when uh, creators take ownership of something they've created in, in Marvel or DC. And they're just like, no, no, I'm going to, they come along with me and I'm going to <laughs> just keep writing them because they're mine. And I like writing them. And that's how a character becomes more of a substantial long lasting character. The more you put them up against other in other publications against other, you know, quote unquote, you know, actors or characters and see how they bounce off and and that's what you roll but no i know you wanted to continue go ahead man oh yeah so i got to i uh the reason why i didn't finish this issue was uh because i was wrestling with my eye yesterday and i didn't really get a chance to finish anything read anything mm -hmm. but um i got to the point where uh she was you know brought on to the major crimes unit and one of the more endearing surprising really smart things that Ridley did was through her perspective, he instilled this um, resentment towards Batman. Well, yeah, but it, but it wasn't just, it's not just a resentment that this, you know, privileged piece of shit could do what he wants. It was more of a, he gets to wear a mask and he's recognized for it. I wear a mask and I don't talk about my sexuality and I have, you know, and, and I'm punished for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was this, it's this underlying, really really um very very effective level of resentment that i would never i've never thought about mm -hmm. in renee yeah the other right. thing that i uh, which was just it's just in, it's incredibly insightful but no, um, it was. the other thing was did every issue start with a timeline i don't like yeah don't they did that at all i think i think they did I think so too. I wanna, should I go grab another issue? I, I yeah. like I saw that and I was just like, did all the other issues like have dates? Yeah, like, yeah. I, th I think they did because float, each right? each one is a way of examining that one era in the DC universe, you know, because like uh, Black Lightning was definitively, yeah. I think like the early 70s primarily, and then the uh, Bumblebee was like the mid 70s to 80s, Katana's 80s to 90s, and this takes you into the 2000s. Yeah, this this, this series is work, but it's like good work. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's great. Absolutely. I can't wait to read this issue. I'm, I'm very excited. And yeah, having this uh, directly after TMNT last Ronin, yeah. Whew. <laughs> that is not yeah, how it was last round. It was it was a really, really interesting week for like um prestige comics. Cause yeah. like I got one that didn't feel prestige at all and the other one that was like a meal and a half and I had to like 
taken chunks because it was just a lot of great story. So yeah, it was an unfair advantage. Uh, oh, uh, Hal twenty eight fourteen is in the chat saying, "Who is the sexy lady behind Len in yellow?" What? Is that Vixen? Oh, oh that, yeah. Vixen statue. That is Vixen. I'm going to take her off her stand. That is Vixen from the um, when they did the bombshells collection. Oh, I like the bombshells collection. Yeah, well, I love myself some Vixen. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I like a lot of the bombshells uh, covers and statues. Mm-hmm. And then Hal also says, "I didn't know it was Black Shirt Day while I'm in a white T-shirt." My bad. It's uh, literally my daily uniform for the most part. Uh, that reminds me of um, one of my favorite movies. Um, you can put the romance. rest. Oh, ah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> like, too many buttons. Uh, but it uh, reminds me of uh, that line from True Romance. Oh, man, you thought it was White Boy Day. It ain't White Boy Day, is it? Nah, man, it ain't White Boy Day. <laughs> Great movie. One of my all-time favorites. Um, uh, let's see. Let's do the next book. What do you think? Made in Korea, number one from Image Comics by Jeremy Holt. Uh, and George Shaw. Uh, Steve Holt. Thank you. <laughs> oh, you can hear it. You can hear it in my voice. That's what I was thinking of. Um, Steve Holt. Um, a quick start guide for your proxy. Step one, remove box. Step two, power on. Step three, raise your child. For Jesse, the world's first true AI system, growing up means learning to think outside the box. This exciting new six-issue miniseries will redefine what it means to be a family in an age when biological parenthood is no longer a reality. So this is Alex and Ada, part two, oh. right? <laughs> Never read it. Oh, it, yeah. It's So Alex and Ada, here, let me give you the, the plot synopsis of Alex and Ada. There are sex bots uh, that um, are like iPhones, right? Everyone has one. Or most people have one and uh, they're just, they just do what you say. They're just like little slaves. Um, but you can give them AI uh, on the black market. It's, it's illegal to give them AI, but you can go into the black market, pay some money and then give them an AI. And so this guy gives this sex bot AI and they have a relationship. It is a slow burn conversational sci-fi book. It's actually quite good despite the Luna's being involved. And, um, I know Noel has problem with one one of the Lunas. One of them is is bad, right? Is a bad I, Luna? I don't know anymore. I yeah. uh, one of them is shifty shady. The other one is um, <laughs> hyperbolic. I I don't know what's true. So I and and I haven't loved loved any of their endings. So yeah. I just don't bother with their work anymore. But gotcha. we're talking about this book, and JD book. said it, it was good. So this, go this book, I, this book is good. Uh, I, but it also felt very much like Alex and Ada, where no. this now we, we have children. You can adopt a child robot, and it, I don't think it has AI. But you know, made in Korea. The reason it's called that is there is a Korean um, programmer. Programmer. They do this. This guy. They, they do this, and yeah, he is on the secret. Code. He is on the slide. Just creating a code that gives her, gives her AI. Um, and he's like, I cracked it. I did it. He's talking to his buddy at the bar after hours. He's like, I did it. I, I, I cracked the code. And he's like, no, you didn't. You're lying. And also, if you did, you didn't do it on company time, did you? Because that company now owns all of your work. And he's like, no, I didn't. 
I did not finish that code. You're correct. Um, I'll so be right he, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to the bathroom, and you hear him drive away real fast. Um, so, uh, but he still winds up secretly importing his code into this one child robot, and this family adopts her, and there, there you go. Uh, very similar, um, and of course, you know, as far as we've had AI or robot gaining sentience it's it's not a new story right it's we've seen this time and time again um but i thought this was really well handled the pacing was really interesting um we have two scenes that we go back and forth between the family uh and we're sort of slowly finding out as readers what these proxies are because at first you don't even know what's going on but then you're introduced to it slowly over time and it's intercut with this um coder in korea doing his work and and both stories sort of intersect at a certain yeah. point. And I think this is really well done. I was very surprised. I enjoyed this very much. What did you think? Yeah, the, Noel? the, um, the part of the plot that I, I really appreciated even more was this, this couple that we meet, they were introduced to proxies when they're invited to an incredibly bougie rich mm-hmm. mansion that can afford a proxy and they get there with their little gift. And there's just, giant gifts everywhere and they don't belong and they'd never be able to afford this, whether they wanted to or not. Um, and at the time that he's trying to abscond with the AI in a, in a, in a bot, he's trying to give it away for free because he just needs it out of the, out of the, the, um, the, the lab or the, the plant. Right. And they're like window shopping and they can't afford the million dollar, million dollar, million dollar. Oh, here's one. Oh, Okay, like twenty nine ninety nine. This This'll be yeah. Good. There's this there's this confluence of events that just is paced out really really well, and it it also kind of it provides a dynamic for us that these these people who are probably more well equipped to be parents in mm-hmm. this society would never have been able to have the chance to be parents because it's cost prohibitive, right? Right. Um, which I find incredibly fascinating. Ah, no. Um, yeah. No. This was just this was just a wonderful little book. Poopy. Oh, <laughs> there's poopy everywhere. Oh, no. Oh. Yep. Didi's got to go. Got to go. Got to go. Um, yeah. Uh, I what did this, you think? I thought this book was really cool. I thought it was, um, you know, like you said, it is a story that is told, has been told before, but I, th- I thought one, the aspect of introducing the AI as something, well, the, these proxies as something that only the, the the rich could afford um because of how exorbitant the prices were i thought that was an interesting little quirk to this situation because this isn't just like you know the future where you know everybody can afford whatever the fuck like no it's like no it's like real talk like we can't and then you know they basically almost like literally have to go online and go to like wish.com and get theirs you know for like about like for like two dollars and hope that it's like it works you know um so i thought it was kind of like cool i thought it was cool i thought that the um the even though again like we said it's a story that you've told before i thought some of the aspects of it do you know the cutting back before between the programmer and him him dealing with it him feeling like this personal victory when he sells it, it he sees the the his 
coded um, proxy cell, um, then their apprehension about opening the box and how they're introduced to the proxy and and that whole back and forth. I thought that that was very well done. Like you said, the pacing on this is beautiful. The art is extremely inviting, very evocative, really like captures you. Um, and then not to spoil the lead, but then there is a a um, a wordless backstory in this that I thought was just amazing. Just touched my heart so much about like this this life of this proxy, which gave you and that I thought was cool because it gave you a window into the into the world from the viewpoint a little bit of the proxy, you know, saying like, you know, what potentially is ahead for the proxy of, you know, our hero in the main story. Mm -hmm. But I thought it was so well done. So heartbreaking. Um, just this little nice little, uh, well-paced life that it, it, it goes in stages. Um, I thought, I thought just everything about this was, um just great. I mean again, yeah. this 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 was something that felt prestige and it's not prestige. It was no. it was just, just so well I, done. Look, almost, um, most of the stuff we we read this week, I was I like um one of the first things I read was the TMNT and it was just like so many things knocked it out of the water. <laughs> mm -hmm. As the week was going by and it just like look, I I can't in a perfect world, we can judge everything and rate everything alone in a bubble by its own right. merits. But that's not how it works. Everything no. is contextualized by everything else that you absorb, right? So, right, right. like, this was just another book that was just like, you know, I'd pay, I'd pay 99 for this as opposed to that. Like, it just, it just kept saying, <laughs> man. Like, man. It's a shame. It's a shame. It's I mean, cool. it's it's gonna take four months for issue four of TMNT to come out, so I I, I have time to drop it if I want to. I mean, <laughs> you, do. You, you do. Well, you, you damn sure will forget about the story by then. I know that. So, oh my, I miss, and I love a book that feels animated like this literally feels yeah. animated, man. And and I love I love that. I loved every. See, I thought that like the, just the beats, considering that this this is a book that doesn't have any captions between the 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 changing of the scenery, the changing no. of the time, and anything like that, and yet you never lose track of where you are in the story. That is spot on storytelling, right? Yeah, this is this is just delightful in every way. It, like, um, this is one of my favorite things I read this week. Yep, hundred percent. Me too. Uh, Me too. Um, I'm glad that we we. We pulled it. Um, anybody that anyone that values our opinion, try this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is this. Um, I had I was just as surprised, but like we live is it's phenomenal. But th I got the same feeling with this, like that first issue of like, ooh, what's <laughs> going on? This mm -hmm. is great. Yeah, yeah. D did this, but this also has. If you are a fan of. Um, uh, what was it? I was just going to say. Oh, if you're a fan of Black Mirror, this yeah. definitely has a Black Mirror type of vibe for you. I think you would, you uh, would absolutely maybe, love this. Maybe not as dark. But no. Well, we don't know where it's going. We don't know yeah. where it's going. It's not dark yet, 
but there there there's some shade coming in. There's definitely shade coming in. So three issues and Jesse is murdering her parents and stuff. <laughs> a- anyway, uh, yeah, I would I would I would highly recommend somebody picking this up if you're at all interested. It was really solid. Yeah. Um, I mean, JD's handling poopy diapers. Let's. Do you want to keep going? I think we need to it, go, keep keep it moving. We, okay, have, we have to keep moving. Uh, the next book on our docket is Star Girl. Oh, oh, yeah. Spring Break Special, number one. Mm-hmm. Written by Jeff Johns with art by Todd Nock. Courtney Whitmore's Spring Break plans aren't like your average high schoolers. Instead of hanging out with friends, she's heading out to an adventure. <laughs> she's heading out on an adventure with her stepfather, Pat Dugan, a.k.a. Stripe or S-T-R-I-P-E. And teaming up with his... Teaming up... Antimate with his former team, the Seven Soldiers of Victory. The soldiers are forced to reunite against an unearth again to unearth and s- <laughs> the secret. God ancient- damn it, no! Oh god, I can't. I can't focus with one eye. I'm sorry. Um, but what other secrets are? What other secrets lie buried? And what does it all mean for Courtney's future as Star Girl? <laughs> anyway, uh, so- sorry guys. No, how's he doing? Is he still he, there? Was poop, poop everywhere? <laughs> Sushan had, had left him in his little in his little uh, bouncy chair, and then he was kind of flipping his lid. So I was like, "Oh, let me pick up my son." Little did I suspect uh, that he was a time bomb of poop. And as soon as I touched him, there was just poop everywhere. He had? Did he have like a coffee ring of poop on his yes. arm? Yeah, yeah it's it's did. when you lifted him up, his arm. <laughs> <Yeah>. Anyway. <laughs> Um, this book, uh, I, I went to read it. It's, uh-huh. it's nice. Um, uh-huh. I ultimately didn't care. Oh, where's Todd really, Nouts been? I haven't seen him in like a minute. He's been doing covers like every week for, for D or uh, for Marvel. Okay. He's got, he's first got like a head, cover every single, yeah. Covers. Um, mm. this was like really cute. It was really sweet. It's a, it's a, it, it, it does it tries to cover a lot of groundwork with the new established continuity of whatever the story they're trying to tell with Green Arrow going back in time and being a member of the Seven Soldiers who blah 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 um, JSA era stuff and it's really cute um, but it I don't know if it it didn't tickle my member berries I also didn't finish the first season of the show it's I just, did finish the first season of the show I have no member berries to tickle. Uh, it's not that, you know, I have the omnibus of the JSA volume one from Jeff Johns and, um, I've always heard very good things of it. And I would dip in here and there back in the day when it was actually being published, but I've never sat through and read the whole Johnsky. Um, it it is my intention to do so someday because it's the same thing with Starman. Like I always knew Starman was really good. I dipped in here and there. Um, Oh, my wires are all in my son's face. Um, but I did really, really enjoy the TV show. And this star girl, when I saw in Infinite Horizons, Infinite Horizons? Infinite Frontier. Frontier. Damn it. Every time I do that. Infinite Frontier number zero that she was finally getting a comic or at least a one shot. I was like, oh, well done, DC. You finally you finally did it. Like she has a TV show that's very popular. And my son just pulled my headphones out of my ears. Um, so, um this, this seems, uh, I, I'm glad it finally came out is my point. Um, this should have been out when the show was on, I think. Um, but uh, I really enjoyed it. I don't know a lot about the Seven Soldiers of Victory. The only one I read was the Grant Morrison run. 
mm. which was weird as hell. Uh, and not, almost these people, <laughs> not these people at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that being said, I still really enjoyed it. I thought uh, this was a lot of fun. Um, it was whimsical and charming. Um, Bless you. I, Thank you. And I don't know much about Green Arrow's little sister. Like, I didn't even know he had a little sister. Oh, yeah, yeah. Amico. Amico. Um, yeah. But uh, I'm all in. I think this is a lot of fun. I think this is fun comic book and like classic style, just superhero comic books. Um, so I'm into it. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, I'm also very excited for the. There was a two page stinger at the very end where. Yeah. Jeff Johns and Brian Hitch will be doing the JSA comic. So I'm on board. I thought this was fun. Is it, is it wait, so I, I saw there was confusion or, or arguments online about that. So like there's a there's a cool like stinger that's related to this one shot story. And that made me a little bit more excited about this in general. I thought this was it read like it was um throwing a bone. Uh, with these characters but then when you got that little stinger at the end that continues and i was like all right cool so we're gonna get into a series maybe i'll, I'll like I'll some traction for me it'll be great um but the credits at the end was like jeff johns and and brian hitch but i read it as those were just the credits for the three-page stinger not new series coming from jeff johns and brian hitch oh oh no really that's how i read it Oh, um, so I, I, I and then other people read it as, oh, my God, they announced a new series, a JSA series by Jeff Johns. I was like, did they? Oh, OK. Shoot. Well, um, quiet, so, is, quiet is kept. There's uh, no t- coming 2022 or anything. It's just. Yeah, I didn't read it as a news is a new series, um, yeah. but I wouldn't be surprised if it, they maybe didn't mean it as a new series. But again, quiet is kept. It's Jeff Johns, it's Brian Hitch. It means that if it is a new series, it's not going to come out till 2025. So I'm not really <laughs> sweating that. I didn't no. really care about that. And no. and to be to be perfectly honest, I've also while Brian Hitch for a long time was one of my was one of my favorite artists, I've grown a little cold to Brian Hitch. Um in in recent years so his name being attached to it does not does not like really excite me that much at all well no brian hitch being attached to it i mean there are worse options um brian hitch is not a name that garners excitement for me but it's like oh solid um back in the day during his ultimates run and stuff like that he was probably one of the best things on the shelves true um these days not so much. His posing is very awkward. If you it's look at stiff. what's on the screen, look at Flash right now. The Flash and um, uh, Wildcat, like just so strange. Um, his arms are just—they always remind me of Ragdoll. The way he draws everyone's people's got, arms. <clears throat> uh, everyone lately in the last like ten years, everyone's got real rubbery yeah. poses. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's not. It's not cool. But to the book itself, the 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 main heart of this book, I enjoyed it. I too was a fan of the first season of star girl and that surprised the hell out of me um but i actually did enjoy it um i'm not uh, unlike jd i'm not surprised that they might wait for after the season for something like to put something out something like this because the nature of network television right now is that one you could easily be one season and done you know but yeah. you know you you <laughs> As popular as it was, um, it fortunately was living on streaming platform first. So it had 
you know, it had yeah. that little cushion, you know, because I think if it lived in network TV or CW, I don't know how popular the ratings would have said that it was. So yeah, that show had a weird moving target. Um, so it was it was specifically for DC Universe, and then it was like, no, 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 we're going to do it on CW also. Mm-hmm. But then like the streaming rights are on four different things, so it's like it's like they 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 premiered that show like a shotgun blast and just saw where it stuck, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, and plus it, it 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 premiered in the mix of a lot of flux behind the scenes with Warner Media in, in general because yeah. they were they were trying to figure out what HBO Max was going to be and all this type of stuff. So, but but this comic fits definitely in that tone. Um, it definitely addresses some continuity things that if you know about them then you're like oh that's kind of interesting if you didn't know about them then it's just reads like comic book stuff typical comic book stuff i.e. the whole deal about green green arrow and speedy being dropped back in time to be the quote-unquote green arrow of the golden age that's just Mm -hmm. a way of addressing that there actually was apparently was supposed to have been a green arrow of the golden age with the seven soldiers of victory who get propped up as like this big thing they weren't a big thing they were a made-up team that were made up primarily for an issue of the justice league where they um back in the 70s where they could more or less just talk more about golden age heroes and oh. do do away with the asian guy um, the other th- oh the other thing too did. i know the other thing too um i don't know if it's previous or new continuity they were all um thrown forward in time so even though wow. they were 1920s 30s 40s i don't even know what decade whatever yeah. heroes um they're all forced through time so they're still the originals so like Green Arrow and and Speedy back in time, all of them yeah. came in fr- forward in time together. So these are all, so even Pat Dugan is a man out of time. Yeah, like all okay. these dudes are from the past, which I thought was like I don't know if that was before, but that's kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's really weird, but you know, it's like you said, uh, JD said, it's old school comic booky. So you know, you r- roll with it. This definitely fits in the tone of the Star Girls. <laughs> Um, series. So if you like that series, I think you would like this book. Um, I always liked the idea of Stargirl. I don't know if they ever really did anything great with her to JD's part point. The JSA by Jeff Johns doesn't do a whole lot with her. They do some stuff, but not a yeah. whole lot. Um, but this was fun. Uh, yeah. It was, it, And actually, like I said, it's been a long while since I said, saw Todd Knox um, art. Yeah. So to see him on in tears like this, I was like, all right, he looks like he's he's grown a little bit. Since he has really grown on me. Yeah. So yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh, nice. There's there's a very there's a very um and I don't mean this in, in a pejorative, there's a there's a distinct um wholesome early two thousands, late nineties kind of feel to his art. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh mm-hmm. that's very, very DC feeling too. Like yeah, no. This was this. this it, it it really really fits, and it's really really slick. I like it a lot. The only I thing wish, I remember, um, I wish his uh, wasn't he doing the Gwen Stacy miniseries for Marvel before oh, COVID, and that didn't even finish, did it? No, no. COVID got it. You know, it got canceled because oh, of COVID. But I was really enjoying it. It was like Veronica Mars in the Marvel universe. I thought it was awesome. It was interesting. Yeah. Um, the only thing I remember about Courtney. Um, and reading the JSA, which I started reading after Infinite Crisis, was a whole issue where she got her braces taken off. 
<laughs> oh, I remember that one. What's it? Pretty much it. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that because that was like a kind of like a in between a storyline um, issue. I yeah. remember that. Yeah. And every, everyone was there for her. look. We're all family, so there's that wild Dale Eaglesham kind of layout of her uh, in a dentist chair, and there's a ton. <laughs> there's a, a ton of roided up superheroes behind her, and it's just right. like that's that's not sanitary. Including the like, dentist. Why are I think they like the, the dentist, dentist is like real roided yeah. up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem with Eaglesham, man. I do. That's the. I oof. He's my like, favorite. Ah, uh, he's like uh, Ed McGinnis, but less charming art wise, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ed McGinnis just stirs, steers right into it. Like everyone's going to have a 14 inch waist and 35 inch biceps. That's just how it is. I don't Dilly like it. It's weird. I don't like Green Arrow's uh, over designed costume. Why does he have vents on his shoulders? Uh, that is a little a little much, sweat? but yeah. So, yeah, sweat vents. <laughs> Shoulder sweat. Oh God! So weird. Y'all talk about the Brian Hitch, you know, at the end. The the series that I would want to see is the. I don't care about the Seven Soldiers of Victory, but if Jerry Ordway wrote and drew it like his pinup at the back, yeah, I would buy that because that is a cool looking pinup. I got it on on blow up now, so it looks pretty cool. I do also want to say that this story I mentioned how the Seven Soldiers of Victory back in the seventies their story did away with um, the Asian character Wing, who was the um, sidekick of the Golden Age Crimson Avenger, um, and this story does kind of like speak to that and speaks to um, them trying to do something with that character finally like find him and everything and it's almost like you know like trying to right a wrong that was done that's kind of like how it had the the feel to me um i don't i felt a little icky about that but i'm like at least they're not trying to just whitewash and forget about it so you know i'm I'll give him a pass until I see where it goes with it. You know, from this artwork, I had no idea he was Asian. Oh, yeah. Well, that, well that. the only time he's shown, he's wearing like a a mat. All you could see is like the bottom of his mouth. Yeah, like he's in two panels. That's a great panel, by the way. Oh, it's not. It's no longer up on your screen. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a great panel. Double page spread. Um, but yeah, this was fun. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to more of this. I hope we get to see more. Uh, hopefully before 2025, as Len said earlier. Um, all right. Yeah, oh, we're, man. Heroes and, and the born. reason, we're, oh, I'm sorry. I, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize. But this is the reason why it, it always bummed me out about the wing, the, the character wing and how the, they didn't know what to do with him. The Seven Soldiers of Victory were created as the Seven Soldiers of Victory. Like, like I said, they were kind of like created just for that book. But the Seven Soldiers were the uh, the Shining Knight, uh, Star Spangled Kid, Stripesy, the Vigilante, Green Arrow, and Speedy, and the Crimson Avenger. His sidekick Wing, who was his sidekick, was not considered in that number. How and come Speedy got a slot? And, exactly. Uh, and Wing didn't get mm. because Ooh. Wing was a, was an Asian character at that. At, Yikes! Yeah. Um, well, before we move on to the next book. Hey, you can help us out. I'm sorry, honey. I scared him. Uh, I'm very boisterous. <laughs> My son He's is like, constantly. Oh, Jesus Christ, Dad! He's gonna poop uh, himself. 
if you want to help me raise this child, uh, his name is Kai, uh, and he, he, he needs your help desperately for just a dollar a day. Oh, my God. No, this is not that commercial. Are we going to see a picture of him in a cage just looking up for a kid? So, yeah, you can help us out by going to patreon.com slash Johnny Destructo. Thank you to everyone who donates each and every month. Uh, it's wonderful. It's so sweet. If you don't have any money and you don't want to, if you don't want to help raise this child, that's fine. If you want him to slowly starve, uh, you can just help us out by sharing your love of the show. Uh, you can go to youtube.com slash cold pop go or facebook.com cult pop podcasts and follow us there. Comment, like subscribe, tell your friends um, about how you slowly you're helping my son slowly starve. You, you know, JD, your, your, your message would be more effective. if You didn't have a big screen TV behind you. <laughs> this was, this, that doesn't work. <laughs> That's just a canvas that I painted matte black uh, to give the illusion. Uh, it's, a, it's a broken reflection because we can't afford a mirror. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, let's move on to the next book. Uh, I guess if we have to. Heroes Reborn number four, Marvel Comics, Jason Aaron, James Stokoe, Ed McGinnis. With the cosmic might of his power prism, Dr. Spectrum has become the most feared lawman in the heavens. But now the dark forces of deep space have sent the galaxy's most notorious bounty hunter to end Spectrum once and for all. That's right. Here comes Rocket Raccoon. Plus, in a backup tale, the all-new Starbrand finds herself alone in a strange new universe. I hate this book. <laughs> uh, I, you know... Originally, I was like, oh, it's kind of fun and goofy. There's that scene where there's like Dr juggernaut doom or whatever and he's fighting um not superman hyperion, hyperion and uh he's like oh my god you broke out of my hand with your giant super neck muscles and i was like oh this is the book it's gonna be all right um this 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 issue was rough for me uh getting through it was a task uh it just it was so silly so over the top the writing was so strange and um it just felt very different than every other issue of this series um i know that noel loves james stokoe's art he does not speak to me as an artist he's not somebody that i enjoy reading uh it just felt a little too bombastic a little too non-stop just kind of annoying frankly um <laughs> and uh hard to follow like i did there's there's some stuff that happens at the end there with star brand where like She's in the ship, but then all of a sudden there's a thing being dragged behind the ship, and then she's in the thing behind the ship and exploding out, and now she's in space. No idea what's going on with that character. And the fact that Groot is Rocket's gun, and he shoots baby Groot missiles or something, it just... It felt like a bunch of nonsense and not in a good way. Like, when Jason Aaron's like, space sharks, I'm like, great, I'm in. But for some reason, this was a bit... This is a bridge too far for me, um, and it just... There was no stakes to the whole thing. It was just big bombast with no consequences uh, emotionally. Um, Len, what did you think? Ah, oh, this was stupid. It was just a big, dumb, stupid book. And I, part of me thought like, okay, this is meant to be read as like a big, dumb, stupid book. So yeah. I, tried, I tried to get into that vibe and it definitely had like this 
mad comics kind of presentation to it for some reason that's how it was reason to me or maybe like you know like the the third story in like uh the old epic illustrated magazine that used to be out there or heavy metal um so but ultimately it like you said it was just so over the top that it was just annoying i was like ah this is i just don't care this is like and and, and you never know who is the protagonist, who's the antagonist. You don't know what's going on. I don't care about Rocket Raccoon. They don't know what to do with him. Um, the art is interesting. It's funny enough, but it was just I. I got what they were going. I think I got what they were going for. I just think there was a little bit of a miss. Um, I th- that's on- honestly it. I think they wanted it to be over the top, especially with there that that shot. That's a great page. It's kind of yeah. funny. Yeah, but it's it, it just. It's there's so much of that, and when that's like page three, it's like where do you go from there? And it, it just stays there, and you're like, yo, I, I can't catch up with you. Um, and then at the end again with this whole deal of the whole the true story being two three pages at the end drawn by ed mcginnis which is in a totally different style which totally takes you out of the situation i don't know what's (laughs) happening on jd's camera what the heck oh it's the cat amazing (laughs) like yo what this is my life i was like what it looks great this is just me trying to use the bathroom Y'all, like, oh, you'll never have patience, or you'll uh, never have uh, privacy ever again. Yeah. I mean, I, I just didn't know where we where we were, man. I we were on Nickelodeon earlier. Now we're on Animal Planet. I didn't know what was happening on your screen. Um, yeah, this is just a silly book, and but the the thing that makes it more silly and disappointing for me is that I and I don't think we're reviewing it, but I read the two other. Hero Reborn books from this oh, yeah. this week, uh, Siege Society and the Young Squadron. Yeah, and those were buckets of fun. I oh. enjoyed both of them. Nice. Like I was like, so, so for the main book to just be this big piece of bleh, it was like real disappointing. I was like, dog, that's this is again. I think I mentioned it before. This is just like the King in Black. I could care fuck about the main book because it just doesn't does nothing for me uh, but all this ancillary stuff is really cool like the sea society is a beautiful piece of work it's crazy as hell but it's a beautiful piece of work and the young squadron john i thought was cool as shit that was pretty dope this like i fuck that's a good point len like this doesn't feel like the main issue of the main no. series this feels like a fever dream that they were like ah we'll just we'll just make a um what's this Dr. guy's Spectrum. name Dr. Spectrum, Spectrum one shot uh, that goes along with the series, but it, it's not actually part of the main thrust of the story. But this is a main issue in a what six part series? Yeah, six, something like that. I think it's six for the eight, main eight part. Eight, so this this two, is the halfway point of a of a eight yeah. eight eight book uh, event. I look, I I hear you guys, and I actually don't disagree. This is probably the weakest issue, but. I love this series. Uh-huh. I think it's phenomenal. I, I, I think, I think the swing that they're taking is phenomenal, but it's not always a home run, right? So the idea of 
an event being a series of one shots with a backup that creates a thread, I think is actually really cool, especially if it's supposed to be just like a, you know, like, it's it's essentially just as like massive as a um, Age of Apocalypse and like a whole new reality and blah blah blah. So instead of doing two years worth of tie-ins and and six mm-hmm. issue series, it's just like I think we could do it in eight. So it's just like eight one shots. Right. With a threaded backup. And I think that's great. So this is the weakest one. Um, uh, I love James Stokoe's art, but I just don't know. Like, and I love the idea of him doing Marvel cosmic because it's all, he has a very like gritty, messy, tactile version of things Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that I think is just, even when it's grotesque, it's, I can't take my eyes off it. No, I'll, I will give you that. So I, I like this this panel that he's showing the idea of him taking a Green Lantern style chain construct and just like having his way throwing ego into the sun and stuff. That's wild. I love it. That's cool. Um, but this was hard as an issue because it, like you had mentioned, it started at 10 and it just kind of kept going up after that. And it's just after a while, it was just noise. Yeah, there was no, there was no um, progression towards like a crescendo. It was just ah the whole time. So yeah, it wasn't very well paced. It wasn't very very plotted out. It was just like one heavy metal chord for thirty right. thirty pages. Right. That's hard, and I think very difficult. I see Todd Engel put in the chat that I buy some of it, but the art was so bad that he, he couldn't buy. It's not for him. And like you said, no, I think the art is good art in of itself, but it is, it, it's definitely a, uh, you know, you either appreciate it or you don't, you know, either you don't, you yeah, get it. You don't. But well, I think the thing that I really want to talk about that, like art aside, what I really want to talk about in regards to this issue is two things. The, underlying thread of the entire series about American exceptionalism Mm -hmm. being the real villain. And we finally get confirmation of the big bad in this series at the end of this issue, which is Mephisto. I think we all kind of knew it. It was just never mentioned, but it's mentioned in such a way that it's not just, it's not just like one, like Coulson and, and the squadron Supreme are like, Hey, we made a deal with Mephisto. Mephisto has completely replaced the concept of God in this reality. Right. So he's on the money. He's got churches all over the place. Like he is the deity of America, mm-hmm. which is disturbing. Yeah. And I think it's really, really cool for a comic book, mm-hmm. <laughs> like to take American exceptionalism and juxtapose it against um, false prophets and false gods. There's a, uh, there's a, there's discourse online about, um, I used to like Jason Aaron, but then he got all political. Ugh. And I'm like, I, I love the fact that it seems like this is him just like swerving right the fuck into that. Like, do you think I was too political? Okay. <laughs> and I, I, I just very much appreciate that. Nice. No, that is, that is, that is cool. And that, and that is a cool beat um, to this. The thing is that red, even though it definitely is, it's there in this story. It read more to me in 
to backup stories. Like when I read oh, yeah. Siege Society, I really locked in on that, especially how everybody's like, I, you know, like they're, uh, especially what you said, how Mephisto has replaced God in their, uh, in their perceptions in in uh in this society or in, the, in yeah. this world and it really comes comes out in siege society um uh so i i get it i just think that the bombast of this is such that i can see people maybe not picking up on it and i also to a degree think that 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 might be missed in the bombast of this art and to I don't remember it being as much of a detail, even in the background of the other issues of the hero reborn of this main of the main thread so far. You know, but the the, um, the whole the American exceptionalism. I think I think it's kind of been touched on, but I don't. I just don't know, especially in, maybe in the Hyperion one. It was definitely in the Hyperion one a lot. Yeah. Now. Yeah, and then Hyperion one, which what which makes sense because he's the like the Superman analog, so it definitely makes sense that it hits home there. Um, but I don't know. That definitely is a cool thread. It, it, it's 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 a lot of interesting concepts. On the whole, I'm down for this. It's just that this this issue is just this didn't do it can for you, me. Can you go back to the checklist last page? For modern comics, this is such a tight event. It's yeah. only like 22 chapters and 90% of it is ancillary, like by design. Yeah. I actually think this is a really tight event and it's only two months long. Boom, boom. Yeah. We're already halfway through. Yeah. And I still have no idea. Uh, I don't know. Um, I, what, I, yeah, I, no, I have no idea. I, I also don't, I think it does a disservice to the Squadron Supreme um, I don't know if these characters are supposed to have been affected by Mephisto. I'm assuming yes, but like, it would be cool to have those characters in the Marvel universe as a Justice League analog, but they're really just these shitty, shitty people, uh, these nationalists who are the bad guys of this series. Uh, maybe by the end, um, things will change, but... You know, I was kind of looking forward to, oh, they're bringing back the Squadron Supreme. I guess they're going to be like in the Marvel Universe moving forward. And it just feels like they're just kind of cast aside as like these shitty characters um, who don't seem very much like their original incarnations. They were they were around during Hickman's run. They're a part of Hickman's Avengers run. Yeah, like I know Starbrand um, has been in the Avengers and stuff. Oh no, Hyperion too. Like they oh, really? they've they've been around, um, but no one's been oh. using them. And it was it was Jason Aaron that kind of like uh, established them as um, nationalists. But oh. it, it's always been connected to Mephisto because like Coulson is back alive, and then yeah. Coulson is leading the squadron, and everything is everything is pointed towards these are husks of what they were okay thank I you i don't know what it's actually going to come like again that's another reason why i think a lot of people are very butthurt about it it's just like that's not how it was in my youth i'm like i i'm 
it's just it, it's cyclical, man. It's cyclical. Here's the thing, but the Squadron Supreme, they, look, all this rewriting of shit. Fuck you guys. The Squadron Supremes were basically Justice League analogs that were created. They they were in some other fucking universe. The universe died. They came to they came to Marvel Universe, and then after that, they spent the next 20, 30 years getting their brain taken over uh, uh, once a year to fight the Avengers. That's what the Squadron Supreme fucking did. Right, that's right. what they did through through your fucking youth. Now I don't give a fuck what anyone did with them in the nineties and in the two thousands and all that shit because I didn't read a whole lot of Marvel then because it was just regurgitating what I read in the seventies and the eighties. But <laughs> I guarantee the times that I dipped in on them motherfuckers, it was still the same dumb things. They were still Justice League analogs who got their brain swiped over or got rebooted or some fucking way so that they could fuck with the Avengers again. Once or twice a motherfucker wait. every five fucking years. All right there, Quentin Tarantino. So, wait, wait, this wait, is why wait. Brian Anderson can't watch the show live with his daughter. <laughs> wait, hold on, hold on. So are you saying not to care that they're baddies now or it sucks because that's all they're doing with them now? Well, I, I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm talking. Track. I'm talking about the people who who are like butt hurt, or this is not how they were oh. back back in the day. Like, yo, just shut up. They're trying to do something <laughs> at least a little different. First of all, they took this whole two months to just focus on them. It's been a long time since somebody focused two months on these motherfuckers. The last time anybody spent a whole lot of time with these dudes is when they just gave them over to Straczynski, and he could create them into that whole real world stuff and that was the first time that anybody did something really really decent and really really different with them do with them cats so so if jason aarons is is doing this and he's trying to to rework it into something funky is this hit and misses uh along the way but he's doing something with them and while they are coming off like these nationalists and maybe like the bad guys of this situation there's some people who are going to read this or some of their motivations seem like they seem like they're kind of like the good guys i mean like it's the, the, in one in sea society they're fighting baron zemo i don't care yeah. what universe you're in if you're fighting baron Zemo, you're a hero of some sort. So I'm like, what the hell is going on? So they're trying to do something different with it. Read it, enjoy it, wait till it gets to the end and see and see where it lands. You know what I mean? But but heard about what they were in the past. They weren't nothing in the past. They weren't the, the biggest thing before Jay Trzinski did, uh, did something with them. The biggest claim to fame to Squadron Supreme was that their old original miniseries um, was printed up as a trade paperback and they put in and it was printed up in the ink they dripped in there the blood of Mark Grudenwald one of the creators of of the uh, characters as a tribute to him <laughs> used in the print that was the biggest thing that the Squadron Supreme have ever done next to also Alex Ross drew that cover, which was basically a knockoff of one of his very many Kingdom Come covers. So uh, that's the biggest thing that's happened to them since Jay Straczynski and now this. So for all you who are are butthurt about that, go get some flushable wipes, clean your booty, and just keep reading. Actually, those flushable wipes, though, they just clog up the sewers, but yeah, it's fine. Oh, well, then my sewers are clogged. I keep them on set. Uh, Todd Engel says, 80s Suicide Squad, or um, <laughs> Squadron Supreme <laughs> Maxi Series was an awesome mix of action, character, and not too heavy-handed politics. 
Mm, it was a little heavy handed to me, but if you say so. So, um, yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'll probably read it if we have to read it for the show, but I don't really care I, about this series anymore. I mean, so here's the, here's the halfway point. It's four issues once a week. Do you guys want to follow through on it or I'll just read it in the corner by myself? I, I, I will keep it going for with you. Uh, no, I'll keep reading it. Yeah, and JD, I, like, I will tell ahead. you, dog, if you don't care about it, don't care about it. That's fine. You, you know what I do. Just don't read them. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I, but I ask you, though, to read the Sea Society book yeah. and the Young Squadron book from this week. I think you would like them. I really wanted to watch Squadron. I really wanted to read Young Squadron because those are my I like I like the teen heroes. I like Miles. I like Kamala. Um is that Sam Alexander? What are you doing? I He's think, just I, I think it is. Making so much the character's name. It's good though. It's fine. Good. I yeah, like it. Good. I think you would like it. I think yeah. you would like it. the Young Squadron one is really cool. Um, before we talk about Robin number two, which is the next book, um, do you guys want to talk five minutes about the DC round Robin that's still going on? All I know is that Robin's better win because I've been saying we should have that series for the past 10 years and it looks like it's finally going to happen. Uh, I read the issue this week and it was fun. Um, this this kid won't stop, so I'm going to mute myself. Enjoy your conversation. So, uh, so what? What? Uh, for those of you who remember or don't remember, um, DC on Twitter is doing a round robin style bracket or bracket style tournament uh, for people to vote on a series that they would read in issues or want to read in issues. It started with sixteen different pitches, and then it's just all kind of, you know, various books being uh, voted out or voted on, and blah blah blah. But now it's down to the final two, and they are Robins by Tim Seeley. And I forgot the artist and Suicide Squad seven or something. I, I Suicide, Suicide Squad seven by Rex Ogle with art by Dion, uh, Nieves and Robbins by Tim Seeley with art by Baldemar Rivas. So, so, uh, thank you. So they, they released, um, two 10 page, uh, previews for this, mm-hmm. for these books. Um, for this last round of of, uh, of voting. Um, and I thought it would be kind of fun. Like, we talked about this when they first announced it, and all of us were just like, oh, it'd be cool to see this, to see this, to this. And Robbins was the one that kind of, like, popped up. This is clearly should be the winner, blah, blah, blah. But now it's up against probably, I, I mean, arguably, other than Superman or Batman, the most popular kind of IP at at DC. Yeah. So I could see either one of them winning. And that, uh, be, that that IP you're talking about specifically Suicide, Suicide, Suicide Squad. Squad. Well, uh, I thought Harley. you were Harley. You're right. I mean, Harley. she is she is tantamount to the Suicide Squad now. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. nobody's like very few. Only people like us think. Um, oh, you John, John Ostrander? Oh yeah, of course Suicide Squad. Yes. No, they think Harley. Yay. No, but I, I was just saying, like you were saying, like next to Superman and Batman, it's not Suicide Squad. It's the most Harley. Biggest po- it's Harley herself that is yeah. the, the IP of note, right? So, um, I, 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 I guess I just want to implore people, like, hey, if you're going to vote for this, vote Robbins. I think so. Why? Why? Um, uh, the creative team is great. Tim Seeley was also one of the uh, was a co-writer on. Grayson and Nightwing 
mm-hmm. Grayson, the super spy uh, series, which was straight wonderful, him and Tom King. Um, so he understands he gets the voice of Nightwing and, uh, and Red Hood. Um, and the art's fine, but it's just, I think it's, it's wonderful. You've got all these like orphaned heroes who all have a shared experience, but very rarely all share the same space in a, in a series. I think that's great. Mm. Whereas with the Suicide Squad, it would just be the fourth Suicide Squad series right now. Like, it's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very biasly voting against another of the same. I like whether it's going to be a better book or not. It's just later. Let's do it later. Yeah. Well, I kind of, I kind of agree with you uh, uh, in, in some aspect, because I don't care uh, uh, (laughs) about this suicide, suicide squad team. Like I am mad that they pulled this, this bum from the super friends, even though I, I love the end joke about the super friends that is done in the book. I thought it was kind of, kind of cool, but, um, it, 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 I, I don't. I really couldn't could care less about this. Um, that being said, though, I have a very heartfelt soft spot for the old Justice League by Keith Geffen and J.M. DeMatteis and Kevin McGuire, which was comedy first, but action. Superheroics, political intrigue, a little bit, uh, character, you know, character interplay, but it was fun and it was funny and I enjoyed it. And to a small level, the Suicide Squad 7 took me back to that time. And I kind of, in that respect, kind of had a little bit of fun with it, especially since I knew it was dealing with characters that, you know, they could have fun with. The Robins feels like a cool idea for a nice, tight little mini-series. It doesn't seem like something that would be long-lasting, got any real legs on it. Um, and, And I've already got fantastic Nightwing already happening on the other side now in his book right true um if anything if this was maybe a story about tim drake and them finally doing something really truly with <laughs> him, maybe i'd ride with it other than that uh, i don't know i didn't really don't really like the art the art doesn't really do anything oh, i didn't like the art at all um so i would vote suicide squad seven nice I'm sorry. All right. Well, I, I believe the panel is split. Uh, does the baby have a vote? Probably for Suicide Squad. Right. Robbins. Oh, I mm. mean, is it is it a half a vote or? He's actually quadruple vote. He's cooler than all of us. Mm. Well, I, I he gets, guess he gets I, to poop whenever he wants. So um, it was major debate. However, the. Um, Ununanimously, but official endorsement of the Cult Pop podcast is Robbins. Nice. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait a hey, minute. Hey, I mean, uh, we we talked it out. Still, I voted. I um, I even though uh, it may and it may have ended up being the better. It may end up being the better series. I just I just don't want any more. I couldn't get don't through that suicide, suicide Squad. squad. 
I read two pages of Suicide Squad and I said, this is trying way too hard. Laters. Ah, it was fun. Especially after Heroes Reborn. Um, this, like, two, what, reading those two things too close together, I was just like, oh God, this is well, just too much. That's, that's why you take a break. <laughs> Uh, Robin number three, or number two, uh, from DC Comics by Josh Williamson and Gleb Melnikov. After the shocking events of Robin number one, Damien has learned the deadly rules of Lazarus Island the hard way. Now he must prove that he belongs in the tournament and uncover its secrets. But his only ally is the daughter of one of his greatest enemies, Ravager. Wait, is his greatest enemy Ravager or the daughter... Anyway, in this tournament, only one fighter can get out alive. Ready for round two? Fight! Uh, this was cute enough. This was like uh, no consequences, just like a nice little Robin story. Uh, I'm actually enjoying it, but it you know it doesn't feel heavy or or super important. It's just like oh, here's a fun little quick Robin story. Enjoy, and I did. That's it. That's all I got. I, I I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. It's it's like um, it's like a sweet version of Avengers Arena. It's like oh, that's nice. Mm. Uh, it's just sweet. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> these kids are dying and resurrecting. Yeah, I mean, in that series, they just died. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, then <laughs> yeah, I see. I guess I see where you're going there. Um, um but uh, yeah, yeah, and then um, it's uh, this book is charming, but. If I act, if I forgot to read it, I wouldn't miss it. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. 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 It's, it's good. It's charming. But if it just like dropped off my list, I would be like, Oh, I forgot all about that book. (laughs) Yeah. It's fun. It was, it's, it's, it's a fun, it's a fun little comic book. I mean, like, you know, who, you know, I don't know if I, I certainly didn't see the beat at the, the, on the, on the last page coming. So I'll give it up for that. Um, and like you said, this is just, you know, they're doing some, trying to do something with Tim Drake. You, you, you get the idea that this story happened some time ago, you know, it's not happening in real time or right in the DC universe or something like that. But, um, it's like you said. It's fine, you know. It's it's, it's whatever. I didn't hate it. The, I, the, I'll say that I didn't hate it. It was fun. That's it was, my line, right? It was it was it was cool. It, it, to me, I'm I'm sorry. I said I said it before. This still feels like Robin colon Enter the Dragon because if you've watched the movie <laughs> Enter the Dragon, this is literally the the plot line of that of that film. But. Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna crib crib from the best, so I'm not mad at it. So is this, if he's gonna crib from the best Bruce Lee movie, have at thee. So it was, it was it was dope. It was all right. It was cool. Nice. My son is flipping his lid, and I can't figure out why. This is super fun. Is he hungry? Uh, nope. Oh yeah, because he just pooped. Is he sleepy? Maybe, but he's not sleeping. Oh wow. Does he, he have? Does he have um, hair or string caught in his fingers or toes? No. He's sleepy. I can tell by the way he just laid his head down. He's trying to get comfortable. (sighs) Mr. Miracle, the source of freedom, number one, 
by Brandon Easton and Fico Osio. Spinning out of DC Future State, the story of how Shiloh Norman became the Mr. Miracle of Tomorrow starts here. The Mr. Miracle show used to be the hottest ticket in town. Whether you caught him on stage escaping from perilous traps or spotted him on the streets of Metropolis taking out bad guys. What Shiloh Norman forgot is the first rule of both showbiz and superheroing. Always leave them wanting more. Now, it's time to start showing the world what a miracle man can do. Showbiz slash superhero rule number two. Timing is everything. There's a new performer in town who wants to knock Mr. Miracle off his pedestal and stake a claim to his famous moniker. Can Shiloh break free of this trap? Why, yes, that is a clue. Um, this was kind of fun. Uh, I don't know much about Shiloh. I know everything he was created by Grant Morrison. And uh, I thought it was just fine. Um, I wasn't blown away by, you know, especially after reading Tom King's Miracle Man, which is a whole different thing. There's no reason. Yeah. There's no reason for me to uh, compare the two of these Miracle Men. They're very different. Um, but it's a different character. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it, it was OK. Um, I don't think I cared enough to keep with it. Um, I, I did sort of roll my eyes super hard at the. The name of the miracle person who shows up at the end? Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Nevera? Uh, was it like N, N is, uh, is apostrophe V-I-R? Yeah, because I think it's supposed to be like never free. Never, never free or never free. Holy shit, that's terrible. Um, yeah, the art is cool, to... though. You, what, you like his costume? No, no, I like his artwork. Oh, the artwork in general in the book. Yes. Yeah, very cool. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I care about celebrity superheroes ever. They, I, I don't care about celebrities. Um, so making a, a superhero that is also a celebrity who's also like a, 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 a magician <laughs> doesn't really speak to me as a character. Um, what did you think, Len? Yeah, but the, but to the point that is returning Mr. Miracle back to his original creation. His original creation was that he was this escape artist. He was a media. He was a media celebrity. He he did this thing for for the populace. This was his his job. His um, way of making a living. So that is just returning, trying to return the character to from whence he came from whence he was born um but with a 21st century through a 21st century lens which also rem is reminding you that the mr miracle of the current you know mr miracle is a black man which is something is easily forgotten um one because of the prevalence of scott free's mr miracle the original mr miracle still being very out there still being very prevalent in the uh dc universe proper as well as in um probably in like the animated universe as well you see him pop up um so you know, it, there's there's a huge bar for this character to to leap over, um, and in doing so, I think that sometimes the writing is a little bit on the nose, a little heavy-handed in some of the messaging that it's trying to put out there. That being said, the art is 
so good that I enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed taking that ride with it um, because I honestly was curious which Mr. Miracle it was going to be. And I was glad to see that it was Shiloh. Um, I like the idea of returning him to his roots um, from the 21st century. I like even just a short little question of like, yo, you've got a mother box and you're using it to, to make money. Like, I, because that is a question that had sometimes been in my mind. Like, one, you know, it's a mother box. You know, there's so many other things the mother box could do. And two, you're calling yourself the greatest escape artist in the world. Then can you do it without the box? Like, right. like really? Like, what? Who is escaping? So I kind of liked that this call. You know, this paid attention to that, called attention to that. So that being said, I enjoyed it. Not for nothing. I, it's hard for me, you know, full disclosure, for me to root against this book. Uh, Brandon Easton is a fan of the Black Tribbles. He has been on our show a number of times. He has probably one of the tr- coolest Tribble designations of all time because he is Brandon Easton, a Tribble called Quest, which is <laughs> dope as fuck. And we were pissed this day he said it. Um, because like, damn, why do we think of that? Um, and and he is a dude who has been plying his trade over these years, writing now for DC, but it's written for Marvel, it's written for Disney. He is doing great things out there um in count. Cal- in California, in the entertainment business, and I am rooting hard for the brother. So I, I will say that, yes, did that give me a little bit of a bias when I was reading this book? I ain't going to front a little bit, but I was sure. glad that I would have, if it was shit, I would say it was shit, and it wasn't. It's, it was oh, yeah, no, if anything, if anything, it makes you more excited when you've got those kind of like barriers of, oh, mm-hmm. man, I'm reading my friend's thing, uh, but then it's just even more exciting when it's good. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, um, I didn't get a chance to read this. I'm sorry. You know, I, I'm, I'm mad about never free, but Scott free is a name, but like for some reason, Scott free sounds like it could be accidental. Like it sounds like a name that could exist. Uh, it sounds uh, like a name that could exist, but then also is a du- double entendre, right? Uh, I got you. Going out of your way to do N dash V I R so that you could create Navir. Uh, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? I, well, I, as much as, yeah, I can groan on that. I groaned more on the costume because while I liked the art, I thought that costume was just, oh my God, you want to talk about over design? Yeesh. I don't know yeah. what the hell is happening there. Well, That's it true. looks. It looks like a like a dominatrix big Barda. Yep. Well, and Barda is his mom, so if we're yeah. to believe that. Um Yeah, it's rough. Um but the rest of the issue is more a lot more interesting. It was just that that final panel where I was like, oh geez, I love this date. He goes on a yes. date and oh man, he just talks about himself for like <laughs> Two whole pages, and I was like, "When is she going to get tired?" Oh, there she goes. All right. I was like, "Come on, my dude, what are you doing?" That's not how a date goes. Oh, okay, that's there. All right, he's she's out. <laughs> I love that. I love that whole sequence. Yeah, me too. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, uh, if if Lynn keeps reading it and says it's worth you know checking out again, I'll I'll, I'll get back into it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's just to be honest, to be real. 
I just been reading so many Star Wars comics right now, y'all. <laughs> I just I am going ham on Star Wars. I just constantly I'm reading like five different Star Wars miniseries right now, and I'm enjoying all of them. So wow. uh, peeling myself away from those to like read these books for the week was was kind of a struggle. Um, is that it? Did we do it? We did it. I think we did. And, and it's only been uh, one hour and thirty three minutes. Steve Holt. Wow. Steve Holt. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. Hashtag no Brian. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> that damn. means we're less, we're we're a little bit drier uh, without Brian. We don't have full histories of. Um, we don't ask literal questions. Uh, Robert Monroe Jr. in the chat says Brandon wrote for Agent Carter and yes. the Transformers cartoon too. Mm-hmm. He's done a lot of good work. Check him out. Yeah, uh, Brian's been doing that work. Yeah. Before before we leave, does everybody want to announce what their Rob Liefeld names are? Oh yeah, you put this in the chat. You you <laughs> can tell me because I forgot. This is the worst. Uh, like this is the worst best meme I've seen. In so a how did this while. come about? I don't even know how. I it's just, just it was just like a it was just like a picture grid. Uh, you know, Rob Liefeld, friend of the show. Um, well, friend of no one. <laughs> um, yeah, creator yeah, Kai's of, Godfather. Like, yeah. <laughs> Rob Liefeld, Kai, Kai's Godfather. Uh, benefactor of Johnny Destructor's Hero Complex. I don't know if you guys knew that. But um, he, he created a lot of really stupid characters in the 90s. And there's this meme going around of like a bunch of uh, nouns and a bunch of verbs <laughs> and you just line up the letters of your, like the initials of your name to the nouns and verbs to make this, you know, fake Liefeld 90s name. So, um, JD's was Crowshot. Crowshot. Yeah. Crowshot. Um, yeah. Which Crowshot. I, I love the Crow movie, so I'm not mad at that. Crowshot. Um, Brian's was Blood Blaze. <laughs> uh Lenny, you want to say yours? Blood please. <laughs> I am Shade Siege. That's hard to say. <laughs> hey, Shade. Shade, Shade. Shade, Shade. If you had a, if you had a lisp, you'd yeah. never say your name. <laughs> Shade Siege. Um Brandon, Brandon Jackson Shorts is Blood Shade Force. Or Blade Shade Force. Blade no, Shade Blood Force. Shade Force. Oh, Blood Shade Force. There you oh, go. Mm, Less cool, mm. but um, Mr. Patey, I found his. Let's see what he's got. Uh, R and P. Blast shard. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite. That's my favorite because it sounds like shard. <laughs> um, and mine was a uh, blade strike, but it's huh. blade with a Y. B L A Y D E. I don't know why they changed, like they made it that, but because it's Blade it's, Strike. It's a uh, extreme. Yeah, I, I could totally see Blade Strike as a logo on a Rob Liefeld cover. That's the just, thing. It's like Blade Strike, not even funny because it sounds like it's actually just a book. Like it sounds like right? something that he already done. It does. It sounds like his script. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah uh, um, Blast Shard. That's just Blast Shard is my favorite. That's funny. <laughs> it just sounds uh, like like just explosive diarrhea. That's the <laughs> most fun. It's going over that, going over that meme and applying it to all my friends' names was the most fun I've had with Rob Liefeld comics ever. Nice, just uh, ever. Action figure expert says, "Hey, you guys, take it easy. Have a good one. Be safe." We will do that. 
All right, action figure expert. Thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us. Go to patreon.com slash Johnny Destructo. Uh, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, all that stuff. Help me raise my son. <laughs> come come um, babysit for me. Uh, that'd be great. Uh, oh, change some so diapers. Uh, all right, guys, we love you. Thank you, and we will talk at you later. so much for listening to spoiler alert check out all our shows including the cannibal horror cast where we review classic and contemporary horror oh it's so spooky and gutter talk with the black tribbles recorded live every week at johnny destructo's hero complex in manyong pa yeah.